All right, so turn to Psalm 4211. Psalm 4211. This is David. I love David because he's so honest with his emotions. It says, Why are you downcast? That word in a few versions and could just as easily be translated depressed. Why are you depressed? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? How many have ever been depressed in your soul like David? How many have ever been downcast? How many have ever felt like, uh, he just said here, how many have ever been disturbed within me? And he says, but put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Let's pray. Father, right now, preach Your Word, Lord. Father, let me be used to preach Your Word, Lord. Change hearts, change lives, Lord God. Make us more like You. In Your name we pray. Amen. Uh, The purpose of this message is not because of the day. You know, no matter what day it is, I would be preaching this message today. It's not the one-year anniversary. It's the purpose of this message. The purpose of this message is... Many times when I'm preaching the gospel, when I'm preaching this message, this message goes out uh, to a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. And I've got to be really careful because, for instance, I'm covering a lot of ground in these sermons. These sermons aren't um, a complete teaching on each subject. I'm going through a hundred different subjects when I'm preaching. Let me give you an example. Um one thing that I will preach on regularly is addiction. And so, to the one person, I'm preaching about addiction. And I'm talking whether it's sexual addiction or whether it's drug addiction or alcohol addiction. I'm, I'm preaching the gospel. And one of the things that God's put that message there for is because He doesn't want somebody's life to be destroyed by it. They've yet to be destroyed by it. They've yet to be addicted by it. How many know that? They have yet to feel the influence or the consequences of addiction. So man, I've got to really stress from the Word of God, beware, because if you're not aware of this danger, you could really be in a lot of of trouble. And it could cause needless pain and suffering in that person's life. But at the same time, this is the message you don't hear. The message of, I am helpless to defeat my stronghold in addiction. How I many know that's true? There's a whole other group that have, that are struggling to deal with that addiction. And that's a different message. How I many know that? How I many know sometimes when you stand in front of a church and your message is that, I, I've got to say, God can heal you of strongholds. God can help you with that stronghold, but it's not going to necessarily happen with my message. Let me know that's an issue that you have to have a battle on all fronts. It's a, it's a battle on all fronts to defeat a stronghold in your life. And guess what? All of us have strongholds that we're trying to defeat the enemy. And so there are so many subjects that are like that. There are subjects with abuse. There are subjects with addiction. There are substance you know, subjects with depression. And I'm not able to fully cover 
the whole realm of addiction and depression and all those different issues, I kind of go from one to the next to the next. One's for one group, one's for another, one's for another group. And one thing I do not want in this church is for people to think that that message is a simplistic message. And the simplistic message is this. Memorize this verse, listen to this message, and go home and your stronghold is gone. I mean, no, that's a simplistic message. God didn't intend for us to, to just preach a message and then walk off hands on somebody and be gone. So I want to make very, very clear that each of these issues, I can't address even one of them very well on a Sunday morning. But I want to address one, but I would, I would have you apply this to a lot of different areas. In fact, I, I wrote down several areas that are strongholds that we need to battle on every front. Alcoholism, drug addiction, divorce. How many know divorce has many fronts that I've got to minister to a person? Not just me, but you. And we have to address a lot of different issues because of the pain, the suffering. And it's another one of those issues where I have to tell them at the beginning and be a bridge. And I have to tell them when they, if, if they've been destroyed by it and I have to build a hospital to heal. So it's another difficult one that, to preach simple. Sex abuse. You know how difficult that is? Because many times people have been abused, and sometimes they're also the abuser. Complicated issue, right? And so it's difficult to preach on a Sunday morning. Codependency, domestic violence, sexual addiction, food addiction, eating disorders. These are all areas that are complicated areas that we really need to battle on every front. Now, it's not wrong for a preacher to come in on Sunday morning and say, God completely heals of drug addiction. That is not wrong. That is 100% right. But we need to learn to apply principles in our life from the Word of God. And those principles are 20 different ways of battling that. And we need every single one of them to be victorious. And so there are so many issues that God wants us to battle with every available resource. And God wants me to say um, He heals cancer. God wants me to say that He heals diabetes. God wants me to say all those different things. But how many know, God, some of these issues are complicated and there are many battlefronts. So the one I'm going to use this morning as my guide for all of these different issues, and I'm going to give an example of, is depression. Because I don't want, the title of my message is Overcoming Depression. Now David, in this scripture that I just read, he was asking a question, why is my soul downcast? Why is it so depressed within me? And he was, and he was trying to figure out why he was depressed. How many know depression is called the common cold of the emotions? Common cold of, of, of emotions. It's the most common emotional disorder that we will have as human beings. And it's common, I believe, I believe depression is 100% common to everybody. But, how many know that there's a portion of the population that have what's called deep depression or clinical depression? 
or major depression, if you want to call it that. There's different titles, or chronic is another, but the variety of depression is great. So when I talk about depression in a sermon, what I'm not saying is all depression is common depression. But what I am going to say is that everybody will struggle from for depression from time to time, and it's what I love about the Bible. Because the Bible is a book that does not have superheroes. The Bible has a book that has people that have real emotions and people that struggle from real things. And the Bible doesn't hide that. The Bible doesn't say that they were Moses was a great person and he never did anything wrong. It shows Moses was all with all of his warts. I mean, Moses, all of his failures, all of his successes are there. Job, all of his successes, all of his failures. David, David probably, I could speak for hours and hours and hours on people that had what we would call major depression in the Bible. And David probably, 30 different psalms in detail talk about David and his major depression. And David is trying to overcome it. And David is trying to deal with it. And we're trying to deal with it. Let me give you some symptoms of overwhelming depression. And then I'm going to show you in the Bible different people that were trying to cope with it. How many think that there are a lot of people in this world coping with depression? In fact, I'll tell you this. I think a lot of drug addiction is due to depression. They didn't get the proper help and so they turn to drugs or alcohol to deal with their depression. How many think that's true? The rest of you, I'm going to try to convince you before the service is over. All right? <clears throat> Some of the symptoms of depression. How about a range of emotions that go from one side where you have extreme hopelessness and despair? How many have ever had such a fear come over you that you just feel hopeless and you feel like you're in despair? In fact, let me give you a little insight into myself. I have severely underactive thyroid. How many have ever dealt with an underactive thyroid? You don't have to reveal your medical chart here. I'm the only one. I feel so alone, God. But <laughs> underactive thyroid... I can't believe I'm the only one. The odds told me there were a few more. Okay. But how many know the underactive thyroid, you gain weight, don't know why, you're depressed, no energy, you can't figure out what's happening. Well, for a long time they kept saying, Chad, you have a really underactive thyroid. It's why you're gaining weight. It's why you're getting depressed. Why? You know, and I never had the time to be lethargic. I tried, but I just had too much to do. So I always stayed busy, but... For 15 years, I wouldn't take any thyroid medication. And for 15 years, I just avoided it because I never went to the doctor. You know, they found it on a blood test and kind of told me that's what it was. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that. You know, I don't, I don't need to go to a doctor. And uh, maybe there was a chance I could have gotten myself in better shape and maybe done something, but I really needed that thyroid medication. And I take that thyroid medication faithfully. How many know God heals my thyroid condition? One thing this pastor would never do is say, don't take your thyroid medication because God's going to heal you. Because guess what? 
God can heal me while I'm taking my thyroid medication. So it's very important you understand that. That is a baseline. When I'm preaching and you hear about depression, when I'm preaching you hear about alcoholism, when I'm preaching you're hearing about drug addiction, when you're hearing all of those things, I'm addressing those issues, but there's so much more to this equation. Very important that I take my thyroid medication or I will descend quickly. I'll get irritable. You know, some of you say, well, he never takes it. (laughs) That's not true. I take it every day faithfully. But you'll have this range of emotions, sadness, anxiety, empty feelings. And I started learning over the years when I started feeling that hopelessness. Anybody ever felt like, man, everything I read, everything I watch, it makes me down. I feel hopeless. I feel like there's no immediate future and long-term future. And what it is, it's something that's causing you to be depressed. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, and I can't even unravel at this point. It's like an onion. There's all kinds of layers to this, and we've got to figure out what's causing it. It could be the holidays. It could be for women. There's certain days of the month that are special. (laughs) I mean, special days of the month. They're not holidays. But how do you know that's enough to physically cause depression? James, another thing James would know, having a baby, right? (laughs) Having a baby. You just said you knew about it. Postpartum. (laughs) See, he shouldn't have said anything. Now he's my example for postpartum depression. How many know this can be really serious because it's changes in your body? Changes in your home hormones, chemical reactions in your body. And we just had a story two days ago where a young mother in Texas didn't even hardly know that she even did it and woke her husband up and said, hey, I just killed the children. And very, very normal family. They don't know exactly what triggered it, but postpartum depression is a very common thing. And so we have to really be aware and sensitive as a body when we see people going through depression. Because there are signs here, and these are some of the signs. You have these feelings of hopelessness, but get this. This is what's really unusual about it. Not only do you have these wide range of serious emotions, but you have the opposite also, numbness. It's like somebody could be graduating that's very special to you, or a birthday, or something special could be happening, but you're just numb. How many know that's true? You say, well, I thought they were just a mean person. I thought they were just a bad person. Well, maybe they're suffering from depression and you just don't recognize it. Maybe. How many know this is true, what I'm saying? <clears throat> the next one. Decreased energy fatigue slowed down or completely drained. How many know your emotions, if we don't find a way to master those emotions... They will physically drain us. Take all of our energy away from us. And when you don't have any energy, good luck trying to accomplish what you want to accomplish in life. You can feel like, I don't want to do it. You can do it for years. You'll drain because of emotions. Out of whack. Lost of interest in things that you formerly really enjoyed. Ever had things that you really like to do and you're like, man, I don't even like to do that anymore. 
I used to love to hear Pastor Chad preach, but now I just don't even really, I mean, I just don't even get into it. I mean, he's really, really, really good, but I just don't get in. <laughs> I'm messing with it. Sometimes I like to say back to myself what I like to hear, you know. <laughs> Is that true? But some of the things you used to like to do, if you're not enjoying those anymore, that's probably depression. It's really important that you begin to recognize this in your life. Recognize what depression is, okay? Because there's lots of reasons. And we got to figure it out as a church. Not just a person. We don't just throw them aside and say, let them figure it out. They need our help. That's what we'll talk about a little bit here. How about insomnia? Here's what's weird. Different people are depressed different ways. You keep seeing this over and over. Some can't sleep. Guess what the other person does? Can't stop sleeping. Wants to sleep all the time. So one can't sleep because of anxiety. The other one wants to sleep all the time. And then some people want to sleep in church. I just threw that in just in case because I know we're going late. So don't fall asleep on me, all right? It's part of that not wanting to hear me. It's okay. Loss of weight or appetite or overeating. Do you see the extremes again? We're out of balance here. Something's out of whack. We're either not eating at all, or man, yum, yum, yum. Makes me feel so warm. I felt that warmth. Run from it. That warmth of that food and that giant steak. and You don't want to get out of whack. Well, here's what's happening. The depression is causing everything to get out of whack. And God, how many know that God's salvation is for the whole person? God wants us physically, emotionally, spiritually whole and healed. And we're getting out of whack. And depression is a big part of this. Feelings of hopelessness and pessimism. Feelings of helplessness, guilt, and worthlessness. Anybody ever done that? I'm the only one again. Man, I'm lonely up here. How many have ever said nobody loves me? Nobody cares about me. Not a single person in the world cares about me. And here's the problem. We're all saying this individually in different places. See, he's got both hands up. He's the honest one here. But we're all individually in different places fighting the same battle with depression. We all think nobody cares, right? We all think nobody knows what we're going through. Nobody loves us. And the enemy has just had filled day with depression. He's able to control a lot of people's lives over depression. And again, can I stress, the sources of the depression, I could preach a hundred different sermons on the sources. Sometimes it's grief. How many have ever had grief? Cause depression. Sometimes it's illness. How many have ever been sick and it really caused you to be depressed? How many have ever had stress and the stress causes you to be downcast or depressed? Uh, there's just a million things that I could go over that cause it. And so we got to be really cautious about finding out. We got to battle. In fact, the title of my sermon is Overcoming. We got to overcome it. God's made us the type of people that overcome. But it's not a simplistic message. A few more. Thoughts of death or suicide or suicide attempts. 
I mean, no, that's a part of depression. Depression can take you so deep and it can so affect your mind. And we're going to see in the Bible here how several people in the Bible battled deep depression like that. Difficulty concentrating, making decisions or remembering, restlessness, irritability. Now don't blame all of your irritability, but a lot of it can be from depression. Okay? Chronic aches and pains and physical problems that have no medical solution. I mean, no, it can affect your whole being. Now in the Bible, it's not quiet about this. In fact, my opening introduction, which I didn't read, is a story. It's actually part of a sermon. How many have ever heard of a, of a guy named Charles Spurgeon? One of the greatest preachers at the end of the 1800s. He was really the Billy Graham of his day. And uh, he was as famous as Billy Graham and as well-known, and he was called by other preachers the Prince of Preachers. I mean, he was that good um, that other preachers said, you know, well, nobody preaches like Charles Spurgeon. Well, Spurgeon on this Sunday morning in his church took his mask off. How many know that people wear masks? Like they want to cover all of their problems so they can go to church. And they can go to work. And they can go around their family. Spurgeon took the mask off, laid it down, and began to talk about his depression. And began to talk about how depressed of a person he is and how much of a battle in his life it has been and how debilitating it is in his life. And he began to scold them for not being more sensitive to his depression. And for one day, Superman took his uniform off and was a real person. And what I love about the Bible is the Bible is the same way. It doesn't put supermen in there. In fact, did you know that uh, Moses, when the people began to make the golden calf, listen to what Moses said. My notes now are all messed up. Moses said to God in Exodus 32:32, "But now please forgive their sin, but God, if you will not, then blot my name out of the book that you have written." Moses just didn't want to live anymore. These people had forsaken God. He felt like he was the only one. And Moses several times goes through what we would call depression. Let me give you a few, a bunch of examples here. Actually, I could preach all day on the examples. Uh, Jeremiah. Let me start with Job. Job, now listen, see if this does not sound like what we would call major depression. Job said, Job chapter 3.11, it says, Why did I not perish at my birth? And why did I not die when I was in my mother's womb? Job 3.26, I have no peace, God, no quietness in my spirit. I have no rest. I only have turmoil. He says in Job 10, I loathe my very life. It means I hate my life. Therefore, I will give free reign to complaints, and I will speak out of the bitterness of my soul. Job 30, terror overwhelms me. My life is ebbing away. My days of suffering grip me. Night pierces my bones. My growing pains never rest. How many think that sounds like a clear case of depression? 
Job is very depressed. He lost he lost everything. He had physical illness. He had devastation. He went through about everything a human being could go through. And the natural result was he went through depression. And God had to deliver Job out of his depression. Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Elijah. See if this sounds like depression. First Kings chapter 19, verse 3 to 5. He had just had an amazing victory over the prophets of Baal. In fact, I'm not even going to read it. You can read it later. 19 verse 3 all the way up to about verse 10. And it basically just says that Elijah ran away from uh, Jezebel. He just had victory, the greatest victory maybe uh, anybody in that generation had ever seen. All of the prophets of Baal uh, basically had a battle with Elijah, and Elijah came out victorious. Well, after this great victory, suddenly he feels the royalty of that nation, Jezebel, namely, and Ahab, they wanted to kill him. So immediately, a dread and a fear. How many have ever had that happen? A dread and a fear. It's like, I might lose my job. I might have a sickness. Something may be dramatically affecting my life. And Elijah took off running in the opposite direction. In fact, it says he ran to the wilderness. He had a friend that was with him that was a loyal friend. And he left his friend in another place and he went deeper south into the wilderness. How many know that that is you sometimes? Sometimes you run as far away from you as you can and even when the friends want to be around, you still say, no, I'm going alone. Laid down under a broom tree and just began to tell God how he did not want to live anymore. You know, God, just take my life. I don't have any reason to live. I'm the only one, everybody's after me. And God had to literally come in and lift him out of his depression. God had to bring hope back to Elijah, the great Elijah, the prophet. How many appreciate the fact that these men, God is very open about their lives, that they overcame depression. David, all the way through, David, uh, he had a loss of a baby and he went through a deep depression. He had a loss of a son that he loved dearly but, but didn't like him so much. And he went through a deep depression. He went through a depression when his uh, uh, his wife was kidnapped. Went through another depression. Uh, there was a depression when they were trying to take his life, and he was living in a cave. David just had a lot of periods of time where he went through difficult times, and he just learned in his life to overcome major and deep depression. And God was helping him supernaturally in a lot of ways. So we see lots of examples. In the Bible of depression, I could go through Jeremiah, who uh, basically had a lot of grief and was going through a lot of deep depression. And I don't have a lot of time this morning. I have 11 pages of notes. So my wife said, how in the world are you going to do 11 pages of notes? And I know I'm not now. But I'm going to close here because we all know this is an issue and I don't have to prove this is an issue. I don't have to go through symptoms of depression. I don't have to go through examples. Just know that the Bible is full of examples of godly men and women. In fact, let me give you one example that maybe is the best. Jesus. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And let me read that really quick and then I'll go into the how we deal with depression, which is what I want to hear. And you do too. How, am I, how are you going to handle this, Pastor? I hope I do it well. Listen to Jesus here. Mark 
This is from the Amplified Bible. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane. Now this is the place that Jesus went to pray before His crucifixion. They were about to come gather Him. He knew it. They were going to crucify Him. And it says, And it said to His disciples, Sit down here while I pray. He took them with Him, Peter, James, and John, and began to He began to be, listen to this, struck with terror and amazement and deeply troubled and depressed. Jesus. So a lot of you say, well, is depression, is it always sinful? Obviously, it's not always sinful because Jesus was suddenly attacked with a terror. I mean, all of hell was coming against Him to be afraid. And Jesus immediately committed Himself to prayer. But it says, My soul is exceedingly sad, overwhelmed with grief so that it almost kills me. Remain here and keep awake and be watching. And going a little further, he fell on the ground. He kept praying that if it were possible for his fatal hour to pass from him. He was saying, Father, everything is possible. Take away this cup from me. Yet yet, if you will not, then I will take it. But Jesus just continued praying. But it says that he was so stressed that literally blood droplets were coming out of his pores. He was that stressed. I mean, have ever been that stressed? I've never been that stressed, but there was so much pressure on him that he had to he had to cope with it. Makes me feel a little better that Jesus had to cope with it and that he's going to help me cope with it. So, what do we do when we're dealing with depression? That's the million dollar question that we have as Christians. What are we going to do? Not only in our own lives, but as this little flock. How are we going to minister to one another? And I think the Bible gives a lot of really good answers. Number one, um, as with anything in life that is difficult, we need to turn to God first. And there's a lot to be learned in the Bible about depression. Lisa read one of the scriptures this morning from David. And so the Bible gives a good foundation uh, let me just say this when I talk about this part of it. I have a friend of mine uh, that we talk very regularly about issues uh, in the Bible. And he said, well, what do you think? Um, you know, what do you think about... There are some people I know that they were doing certain sins before they even knew, uh, before anybody even told them it was wrong. Like they were stealing things or somebody... Uh, uh, was sexually immoral at a very, very young age before anybody even ever taught him how to do it. Well, how do you deal with that? How do you? How does the Bible deal with that? And here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible acknowledges, and this is something you need to know first, the Bible says that we have a fallen nature. That means that when man sin physically, we're not the same person. We're dying. We have disease. We have all kinds of things that are ravaging our body, we will ultimately die. And so there's so many things in our body that's affected by the sinful nature. But God's given us a divine nature, which means He heals our sicknesses, He heals our body, and ultimately we will not even see decay or even die because of His salvation. So God comes in and restores all of the effects of the fallen nature Emotionally, how many know that we are emotionally under the fall? 
There are all kinds of things in our body. Well, the thing I try to explain to the guy is, you have a sinful nature, which means sinful natural. There are things that from your very birth, how many know that there are some kids that I've known that by nature were stealing things at a very young age? By nature, they were sexually immoral. By nature, they were really foul kids. And there's a lot of things that contribute to that. It's like that onion. There's a lot of variety here. But we have a sin natural. We have a nature that sins. We have a heart that is uh, evil beyond anything. And so there's a lot of things that God has to restore. God has to um, recreate our heart. God has to give us a new heart. God has to begin to transform our heart. And so a lot of the things that we deal with emotionally, this is where I'm going with this, a lot of things we have to deal with emotionally, God is trying to restore to us. Some of those things are from the environment we are raised in. Some of those things is just a fallen nature that we were naturally uh, pessimistic. Some things are actually because we made wrong decisions. How many know there's a whole variety of things and what we have to do is take off of our mask and say, I have a problem and turn to God. Number one. The second thing is, you have to turn to yourself. Because here's the problem. Everybody wants to say, I have the answer. Pride will tell you that I can handle my own problems. You know, people will even try to help you. It's like depression and addiction and all these things, and we want to stay alone. And what God wants to do is God wants to bring you out of the shadows of wanting to be alone and isolated. This is one of the biggest problems I see is the isolation of those who have been afflicted by some kind of stronghold. I mean, you say, well, wait a minute, I don't want to talk about my pornography addiction because I want to stay in the shadow. Come out of the shadows. Just be willing to admit that there's a problem there and God wants to restore you. God wants to heal you. God wants to break up those foundations and bring restoration, but it's not simple. I can't come in a message and say, be healed right now. You hear this memory verse, memorize it and you're healed. we got some work to do. I'm ready to do it. Depression. You gotta be willing to help yourself. You say, well, I help myself. This is a part of the solution. This is like entry level. Hear the word of God, build a foundation. Then it's time to move forward. And on every front of depression, we need to battle it. We need to battle every front of depression, not just one. Well, I'm going to church. Well, I'm reading my Bible. Here's the next thing. You need a friend. You need to quit being isolated from church, isolated from God's people, and you don't even have to be at church. How many know that if you're depressed, you just need a friend? And so this scripture is for not only the person that's depressed, but also for the friend. Listen to this. Proverbs 17.17 says, A friend loves most of the time. You might be reading with me or you just trusting my word for it. Most of the time. Because, dude, you drag me down. Your depression's dragging me down, man. So I just go by the scripture, Proverbs 17, 17. I'm a friend most of the time. That's not what it says. It says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother was born 
for the time of adversity. So in the adverse situations, this is not for the depressed person. This is a scripture for the friend. And sometimes, how many have went through hopelessness and depression and all you need is a friend? You don't really need an answer. So wait a minute, I don't have an answer. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I just need a friend. And so what God's trying to do in this church, you know, it would be great if I had more time myself. How many know that I work like six hours every morning, eight hours, and then I start my day? I can't help that right now. But you know what would be really great? Is if I didn't work that six or eight hours and more of that time could be done by the professional pastor. Careful, I'm trapping you here. My goal is not to do that. My goal is to raise up so many loving people in this church. In fact, I'm really hoping, I've been working on this while, I'm hoping to take all of those people who are in depression right now. I want to have a Bible study that really is invitation only. And if you're struggling, in fact, here's the definition. Let me do this before I forget. If you've had depression more than two weeks, these symptoms, is that correct? Pretty well baseline then. If this is a common thing, these symptoms that I said, and you have them for more than two weeks, you're considered to have clinical depression. So think about that. These symptoms, they persist for more than two weeks or persist to where they're detrimental to your daily life on a regular basis or maybe they're cyclical for a long period and then they stop and they're cyclical again. You have clinical depression. And we need to deal with this at a lot of different levels that I'm going to get into here in a minute. But you're going to have to be honest with yourself. Another one for the friend. It says, a man that has many companions comes to ruin. I mean, no, the answer is not in having a lot of friends. So wait a minute, didn't you just say friend? He says many friends, like surround yourself with many friends is not necessarily the answer. Then he says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's again, not to the depressed person, it's to the person that's helping. It's like we got to strive to be a friend that's closer than his brother would have been to him. So God's calling us to be a closer friend as much as we possibly can. Sometimes it's not what you know. You know, it's not what you know, it's that you care when somebody's depressed. So that was my thing. The second thing is first is God, second is you. You have to quit being so proud and take help. Every level of help, you need all of it. You don't need just part of it. You don't just need church. You don't just need friends. You don't just need God. We need every resource we have to point at this depression and overcome it. This addiction and overcome it. This stronghold and overcome it. We need to be the church and rally around people that are hurting. If somebody's not eating right spiritually and you see, man, they're not worshiping right, they're not eating right, they're kind of separated from the herd. There's probably a, a sheep there that needs to be pulled aside and loved a little more than the other ones. How many think that's true? And that's, uh, you say, well, good pastor, do that. That's the mentality we're trying to get out of. In fact, that, can we talk about codependency? Well, that's a different sermon. That's a different sermon. We need to all be that. 
You know, you can't just say put it all on the pastor, pay him more money, make him spend more of his time here. I need to do it and I need to be a better friend. But you know what? We all need to be better friends. We all need to be this kind of biblical friend. The third thing. Medical. If you have what is called clinical depression, you need medical help. If I read these uh, symptoms off, and they even go deeper, if you're hearing voices, that's another symptom of deep medical help that is necessary. If you're extreme paranoia, hearing voices, and you're at a deeper level of depression, we need some medical help. Why would you deny yourself medical help? How many know some of the... uh, uh, a good doctor, now let's, I'm not talking about a doctor that just prescribes no matter what. I'm talking about a good doctor. Your family physician will refer you. And guess what? When they refer you, what do you think they're going to do first? They're going to begin to check physically what's wrong with you. They're going to try to evaluate, is there something physically wrong with this person or their diet or things like that they are going to affect them to do? They're going to check their blood work. Fortunately, my blood work was accidentally caught and said I had an underactive thyroid. How many of you know some of you might have the same thing? Because right now I'm the only one. I'm, I'm so rare. But you need to go to a doctor if you're persisting in depression. You need to find out if there's something physically wrong with you. If you can't keep balance in your emotions, you need medication. I just got labeled as very unspiritual, didn't I? But here's here's what's amazing. God can heal you while you're taking your medication. God can actually restore chemical balance while you're taking medication. But there are sometimes a person's mind is so fried at that moment because of depression that we need to put them in a state where they can actually think normal again. How many know that's true? I hope everybody understands in here that I am not a medical professional. It's the fifth thing. You need your pastor. You say, well, pastor didn't do this or pastor didn't do that. I may not even know. You know, I try to recognize a lot of things, but you'd be surprised what my mind is like on a Sunday morning. You'd be surprised what I'm thinking about Sunday morning. And uh, so let's open up. Let's try to find a way to let not only your pastor know, let your friends in this church know. You know, let's fight this thing together. All right? Let's, and here's one of the symptoms too. Blame everybody else. You know, and there's a lot of blame that can go around. Trust me. There's blame within yourself. There's blame within your family. There's blame within your church. But the solution, it's, it's not helping anybody get any better. You know, we need to find ways to help everybody get better. Now I'm going to close here because I know I'm way over... Heavenly Father, we love You, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that You would begin to uh, minister to those who are suffering, Lord. Lord, let them know how much, number one, You love them, Lord, how much uh, Your church loves them, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that You would help. Father, in every area, physically, emotionally, spiritually, Lord God, I just pray healing over every person in this building this morning, Lord. 
Father, I pray that they receive the help they've been crying out for in the night, Lord God. 